someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Hello and welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Mr. Connor Keyes, alongside me as always, Mr. Ronan Mullen. Yes. And uh, a very special guest with today, Mr. Jerome McGlynn. Jerome, you're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me to be here. This is a, this is a quite surreal uh, experience for us now to have yeah. a, uh, one of the uh, actually like involved, uh, technically, <laughs> <laughs> genetically involved yes. in, the, uh, in the thing that we're actually producing and talking about today. So uh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure. It's brilliant to be here. Um, so yes, we're here today talking about McGlynn's fancy. Um, by Artie McGlynn, um, uh, one of almost finest, if not the finest. Um, so uh, sadly passed away this year, um, and um, we thought, well, this was one of our albums anyway. Um, so the timing of it was um, very, very, uh, yeah, very we, prominent. Wasn't we it? talked about it early December. Yeah, and about then, doing it, mm. and then we thought we'll let it sit for a wee while, and we don't really yeah. want to step on anything. And yeah, and now it's just reappeared again. Like, this is. Perfect. Yeah, perfect, perfect time. time. Uh, so the album is um, 1979, I believe, Jerome? 79, yeah. And uh, so give us a bit of history. What age were you in 1979? Then, when? I was 10. Um, I was probably, I, I think I was at a couple of the sessions. I was, I was certainly at a, um, he was doing a lot of session work up at that studio, mm-hmm. at Hyde Park Studio in Temple, Temple Patrick at the time. And uh, I'd been to a lot of the sessions there and what he used to do was tag his own recordings right. onto the end of these sessions. Oh, right. So he was, it, 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 the studio was owned by a guy called Mervyn Solomon, who right. you, the people who were about in the sixties and the seventies would remember that name. Uh-huh. Um, he was he was a big name in the, not just here but um, in across the water as well. And was he a big producer? Was he? He was, yeah. He owned the studio. Right. Um, he started the studio up in the sixties, and I think they'd they had Van Morrison and different people in right. that time, even you know. Yeah. Were those sessions the Paul Brady ones? No, they. The, Paul was recording in Dublin. Um, Paul recorded Hard Station in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what studio it was. It might have been, might have been one mill. Okay. But, uh, um, but yeah, I was at a, I was at a few of the sessions. So, so you got to sort of witness it live, which is, uh, yeah, I would have been, you probably didn't know at that time at 10 what you were witnessing. You just, you were so used to music being around you at all times. Yeah. I, and, and there was also the, 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 it was, it was a real studio, you know, um, like it, it was a proper big studio. They had like a 24 channel desk and huge mixing room and huge live so room and park. all that. Aye, so all it, was, that was overpowering enough. Yeah, Never mind somebody yeah. playing music and yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the reason I suppose this album was seen as um, what what do you call it? groundbreaking, if you want to call it that. I mean, it was it was innovative in a sense because nobody had done Irish traditional music on the guitar as a lead instrument. Would that be right? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, normally, obviously, with a lot of rhythm guitar stuff, but to play the actual tunes and melody on the guitar because it am I right? Is it because it goes across the fourth fret? Is that what the technicality of of doing it? Well, that's maybe. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the stuff, a lot of those tunes are all played in first position, you know, uh-huh. um, and then you use a capo to to bring, you know, to change key and stuff, you know. Um, uh, uh, but I, I suppose I, I probably should have said that when he was, when he first set out to do the album, uh, Mervyn Solomon, they they wanted him to do a, a, an album of pedal steel tunes, right? Because he was he was probably. Ireland's were one of Ireland's premier pedal steel players at the time. Because he, yeah, he was one of the show bands at that time, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, of course, playing with country, he, he was playing with country and western bands, playing with Brian Call's band, and being a pedal steel player in a country band was yeah. a prized asset. Oh yeah. You know, so uh, still uh, is. But, 
Still is, <laughs> absolutely. So he 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 was. Um, they they wanted him to make an album of pedal steel tunes, and he said, "Well, I want to make an album, but I'd, I want I'd like to use or or, or play these Irish traditional tunes that I've been mm-hmm. working on, and which he had been working on for for a good few years. Not these tunes specifically, but working on it with an intention of getting into that." kind of arena of, 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 of traditional music in Ireland, yeah. you know? And I mean, at the time, he was probably maybe, not laughed at, but it was probably something that was just unheard of, you know, to have a, an album based on guitar as, as as focused as it was. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, probably not so much now, but definitely in those days, you know, traditional music was a very... Um, um, you know, it was set in tradition, yeah. and you know, the you know the Kaylee band, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and and different instruments and different, you know, roles to play, mm-hmm. um, and the guitar wasn't one of them. Yeah, it wasn't it, one it, of the main instruments of of that sort of genre, if you want to call. It. You know, yeah. it, um, and and then I mean, this must have changed everything across the island. I mean, when it comes to the music, because. I mean, we're we're listening to it obviously in later years, but at the time in nineteen seventy nine, it must have been genuinely mind blowing for people. Yeah, it was it was ground it was groundbreaking. Um, he al- he always said that Paul Brady has been a, a a big influence, and 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 he definitely was. Mm-hmm. And Paul's superb uh, guitar player himself, but Paul didn't play the the actual tunes, the melodies. Um, he was a great accompanist. But he's he's obviously one of the one of the all-time great accompanies, yeah. you know, accompanying, accompanying himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, um, but he um, already took it a bit further than that and that he thought that, you know, these tunes, he had the technique and the ability to do it, mm-hmm. tunes that are, w- you know, parts of the tunes that would have been traditionally played on on on, on the fiddle or, mm-hmm. you know, on the whistle or, or whatever, you know. And he and he, he had the as I say he had the ability to do that, so he kind of took it, and that was the the culmination of it. Well, that ability, I mean, if we talk about that, I mean, we talk about the history of of the family. Yeah. So you're back to um, all being uh, genetically linked to Felix Kearney. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so Ari would have been let's let's get this right. Ari would have been Felix's grandson. Grandson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, anybody that's listening and you haven't checked it out, go and check up the works of Felix Kearney. So he's he's a poet and a songwriter, yeah. um, and died in 1977, I think. It was two years before. It was something like that. Yeah. I, I I can remember him. Um, so but again, at somebody that a uh, local sort of um, back in the day when when songs would have just been deemed as traditional. Yeah. Remember, you know the way no song ever got a credit, mm-hmm. like you would have had. Um, Irish Brig of Heather is a good example. Yeah, yeah. Because it went to number one in Ireland with who? Was it Daniel O'Donnell? Um, I think I Daniel O'Donnell and Don McCarrowan, something to gather. Yeah. Something that, so that song went to number one, but it was Felix Kearney that wrote it. Um, but because it was deemed as traditional, because there was no royalties back then, um, no no moolah, no dollars came his way. Oh, that's that's a real thing? That's a, yeah, he wrote the song, yeah, yeah. No, but that, that like you didn't get any even sort of... Back at that time, because uh, later yeah, on, not even later on, no, no, really, not, that's still, family, that's still that, that song is still. Jesus, that's and I, if you go on Spotify, that song is like covered by so many different, yeah, like, yeah. you know, in yeah. fairness, it's like Susan McCann's and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. But um, it's been covered by so many, but not not a single thing. I don't think anybody in the family, no, that's right, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, never came back. So it was sort of a, a victim of the time, basically. Mm. Um, whereas I'd say he'd be rolling it today yeah, if it absolutely. wasn't, yeah, you know. Um, even some of the Spotify plays, like they're, they're millions, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, because Americans love it because it's a big tune about writing back home to America and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, then the history, then so my sort of link <laughs> yeah. should declare, I suppose, that link. So my biological dad and you are first cousins. Yeah. So around about the way, basically, my granny was Artie's auntie. Yeah. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because my granny promised my granny Rita said to me she was going to buy me a guitar. Yeah, when I was first year. Oh and God! I know. Oh God! Where's this? Oh, what a year! <laughs> so being a first year and just wanting to be an absolute rock star, I didn't want an acoustic guitar. Okay, I had to get an electric. Oh, had to. Yeah. Had to get an electric. So anyway, um, this was her gift to me, and she was going to pay for it and all the rest. But now I would like to say, already volunteered 
to take me to the music store <laughs> <laughs> to buy the guitar. I've never, yeah. I could never yeah. imagine. No, yeah. but uh, what happened was so Artie accompanied me to um, Reynolds Music Store on Castle Street and uh, tested the guitar for me and picked out the guitar, and that was the one that I, I got to, to take home. Um, apparently, I, uh, he only did it with one other person, I think, in Oma. I don't know who that might have been, apart from family, you know. Um, so I don't know who that was, but Jonathan Reynolds told me recently. I never forget you coming in with Arnie Moon <laughs> to pick out your guitar. That's brilliant. And, and I did, but I didn't, you know, I did know how how big he was in that sense. But at first year, you don't know he's that big. Yeah. And uh, probably the biggest regret of my life is him dropping me off um, to, to read his house with a guitar and saying to me, sure, you're down 100 squares and I'm only opening the veil. Come up to me if you want the guitar lessons. Yeah. And I shit myself. Yeah. And didn't go. <laughs> But oh, you pick up the offer. Oh, I mean, you just didn't. I, I just was like, oh, thanks very much, and then just walked away. I was like, holy fuck, what? How do you, like, how do you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And obviously, it would have it probably would have paid off. And yeah. in, well, if you backtrack <laughs> on that, when he was playing the guitar, testing it out for you, did you think that's what it was going to look like when you were playing it? I thought that's like note for note. That's exactly you what were going to know that happened when I get home. Hmm. No. <laughs> how that work? <laughs> well, let's just say if already had seen me playing today. Yes. He would have wished you to give me lessons. <laughs> <laughs> he would have just landed at the door and going, Come here, let's help yeah, you. We need, we need to talk. You're murdering that fucking instrument. <laughs> so we need to teach you how to do it right. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that was my uh, personal link to already know. And then, uh, sort of, as I say, you sort of get uh, freaked out and uh, starstruck and didn't take up the offer. But then it led me at a very earlier age to being into his music than I should have been, probably. Yeah. Nobody really in first year is going to be listening to Arnie McGlynn unless you're sort of yeah, led yeah. down that road, you know. Um, so it paid off then because it led me on to Four Men and the Dog as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Great work he did with them as well. Um, uh, so he produced that album, right? He did. He produced the first two, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. I mean, some yeah. of the stuff oh, they he got did. a lot of awards as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, they were they were massive at the time. Absolutely. I mean, and very talented bunch. Yeah. Um, Cal Hayden and Gino and, you know, so... Um, he, 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 he managed to always surround himself with the best. Maybe that's obviously because he was one of the best. <laughs> I, I think I think they kind of gravitated towards him as well, you know. Because yeah. um, Van Morrison as well, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. I, like like that, that kind of success that he had in the in the eighties. Artie, this is um, it. All came about as a result of that album. Um, he he'd been playing for a long time previously to that, but once the album was released mm-hmm. and it got kind of played nationally. Um, he he he'd arrived. The the phone was just. I mean, he played with everybody after that in the eighties. And that's. I mean, what he he would. He was turning down work, really. You know. He was technically deemed, I suppose, a, a session musician then at that point. Would he been he, or? He would have been, but more he, a go-to more, more for a, certain uh, sounds. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like headhunted nearly. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It was yeah. more a case of that. You know that. You know, if you wanted somebody that sounded like Artie McGlynn on your album, you went for. Or McGlynn. McGlynn available, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was definitely a case of that. Yeah, um, and I mean, almost never. You know, we 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 never really had that. We haven't had that since. You know, I mean, in the sense of all Ireland mm-hmm. approach, where where one person has been sought. Yes. Yeah. By every artist, you know, it's just it's mm-hmm. just it's it's it hasn't been done and, and done since, and um, that sort of shows that sort of stands the test of time of of his legacy because this album, then, as you say. It was released in 1979, but then it got re-released, I think. We've seen that somewhere in mm-hmm. 1994. Um, yeah. So, I mean, an album that, let's be honest, a local, normally, how many, if you're, if you're listening to this, think about your own wee town or your own village you're from, how many albums have been released in your wee town by somebody writing tunes or playing tunes and all the rest? Mm-hmm. And I can yeah. guarantee you, none of them needed a re-release. No. <laughs> yeah. and, and I would say you'd find cardboard boxes in them fucking yeah. somewhere. Uh, somebody, the corner yeah. of somebody's Wayne's bedroom. Yeah. But it's not... It's sort of like every, trying to find stuff on this album is really difficult. Yeah, because Hardy did it himself. Yeah, and That's all it. the no all the tales. There's no big major tales coming out of it because it was just him doing it bit by bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about that, I mean, no record label as such, wasn't there? Not there was, or what way was it done? Distribution well, wise, it it was uh, done by Emerald Records, um, Mint Tulip. Um, but uh, as I say, they 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 would have been. Um, they, they recorded a lot of country artists, which right. he would have played on. Um, he'd have played on the sessions, you know. So, so known it them was well, there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, um, they put the money up. Um, they distributed the album, and so it was. It was meant, or what? Uh, and we actually records. have we actually have the tape we have with Emerald Records written on. Mighty. 
Um, yeah, so we have a cassette, a cassette, a cassette tape that Jerome brought with him, uh, which we're going to take a picture of. And we're going to we'll have up. to get a picture of, but it's uh, it's purchased in in. <laughs> I bought it in Holland, and I think probably about nineteen ninety four, in a music shop in Holland. So there you go. There you and what was the like? What were you were you just browsing through, and then oh. Like I'm that's my dad's. Exactly. What a reaction! I know. Holland in your dad's albums, just <laughs> sitting in the tube shop. I thought I'll, I'll buy that. Aye. Yeah, <laughs> that's the same. <laughs> just in case I can't get a copy of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, back to the thing of uh, which other uh, local album would you find if you were browsing through a yeah. record store in Holland? <laughs> you know what I mean? But it seemed like see all these guys that we're mentioning, who like all the Planksties and the Chieftains and all that came out, mm-hmm. and even the Clancy's, Tommy Makeup, the whole lot. Yeah. They're all musos, like oh, so yeah. they were listening to this album going, This is something different. Yeah. And Had to be like yeah. it, it didn't matter that anybody else didn't get it at the time because they got it. Yeah. And absolutely. that just spiraled it into something the what it is now. We're talking about it on a podcast for a reason, like. Yeah, and well I mean uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is more than just an OMA connection. Yeah, it isn't because of the OMA link. We're it's, talking it's, about it because it's something that changed traditional music yeah. entirely. Um, and that's that can never be undersold. This is even the Sally Guard. This was probably uh, when I first heard this album. I, again, I might have been at that age when I got the guitar. I didn't really know any of their songs, even the Hills Above Drunk Wind. I didn't really know it. Mm-hmm. But this was the yeah. one I did know, yeah. Sally Garden. So this is uh, this has been played. We see even the tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the point. This is the point when the podcast where people who are listening to this who don't know who we're talking about go, "Who's that?" <laughs> no. um, yeah, I mean, just as the simplistic nature of mm-hmm. the song, but again, it's just the because it builds obviously towards. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, listen to the album and you'll see. Um, but I mean, that um, there is a style there. I mean, was there? Is it just already style? There's no way of he he. Um is is a very accomplished guitar player. I mean, he was an absolutely brilliant guitar player. Um, he had he's he's a natural, mm-hmm. and it came. One of the things that made him so different, I suppose, is because he he was into a lot of different kinds of music. He was into jazz, and he was into yes, um, you know, uh, blue, but rock and roll, yeah, primarily, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the traditional thing, and that kind of um, that kind of opened up, you know. Uh, you know his sound, really. You know, yeah. So you know, all these influences that um, that that kind of basically that's that's what you hear when you when, when you put on these 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 early tracks. And I wonder then how did the, the sort of the purists, if you want to talk, you know, I mean, because he didn't do anything. Um, do you know the way? So I, I would have heard in recent and later years. I mean, uh, Arthur Kearney would have maybe talked about Cal Hayden, for instance, yeah. Bent, Benton notes. Yeah, you know, and that wasn't the the done thing, yeah. you know. But this was he didn't do any of that, you know. But he he could have done, which yeah. changed it. But he he kept it sort of so traditional that then the purists must have really, yeah, had to embrace it then because it wasn't cheating. And I'm not saying that Cal Hayden was cheating anyway, but yeah. you know the, the the bending of the notes and the the flicking through too fast or too quick. Yeah, some of the purists like Arthur didn't like that. Absolutely, I can and and they all they all like a lot of people would have had problem, you know, a problem with. An album that wasn't recorded in the, you know, in the traditional kind of Kelly band kind of way, you know, and you know with piano accompaniment and that yeah. kind of thing, you know. But it's 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 just moving on. It's, it's a generation of, of people who, um, who who started to play in the sixties, you know, a, a more, you know, it was a break from the past, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though he didn't start off, you know, as you know doing that professionally, you know, he, he played other music professionally, you know, until he got around. To do to, it, to yeah. Get to, to and there's, the there's actually there's this. actually a good quote from him that right. I found in a magazine, and he was talking about this, and he said, "What also happened was that people who did get guitars thought that they could just sit down and play with a fiddle player, but they didn't know the tunes, so they thought, well, it's in D, so I'll just play it in D, <laughs> and it was terrible for musicians. So they would just leave. 
So guitars got a bad name because of that. It got to the point where traditional musicians would tell guitar players, look, if you open that case, I'm stopping playing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good sort of, that's, yeah. that's his way of saying, I had to do something totally different yeah. to fit into this world and for them to accept Absolutely. this. Well, that was the thing. And he did. Because sometimes you can, you can get guitar players at a session that they'd be a bit, yes. wee bit overzealous, you know, and love. love Even love. locally. They, they, <laughs> they think they're the boron player and the guitar player all in the one. Uh, <laughs> you know? yeah, and yeah. you can just... Um, the restraint required yeah to, to know when to 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 know when to play the, the heavy and when to play soft and that's Absolutely. a big part of traditional yeah. music and that's a big skill that a rhythm guitarist brings to that yeah but then when you add in then the melody yeah that's that's a different ball yeah. game altogether um but back to the history of it i mean uh, again i've sort of a wee inside info because i had to listen to rita all the time telling yeah. all these stories <laughs> but she would have said that Artie would have you know it would have been all ear yeah that he would have learned everything um, from a very maybe twelve or thirteen. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Instead of going to school, apparently um, he was heading to uh, under a tree with a guitar and just yeah. hearing notes. Because I I try and I can't get my head around the Kelly notion. Mm-hmm. The Kelly notion's kind of gone now. Yeah. But the Kelly idea was that you know people come into the house and music playing at all times and obviously drinking and all the rest. Um, yeah. And but everybody coming together to to perform. Yeah. That doesn't really happen anymore. You know, a session will no, happen in a pub, not. but a house Kelly doesn't really happen. But Rita would have said that the likes of, of Artie and, and the rest of his siblings and that all would have grown up in the grandfather's house and their house with nothing but music. Yeah, absolutely. So he's hearing these tunes and then he's able to replicate that just from a year. Like, that's a, mm. yeah. that's a talent in itself. Well, he was playing accordion when he was five <laughs> and then he switched... His mother bought him his first guitar when he was eleven or twelve. Right, yeah. Just take it, and it was that would have been probably if he was eleven or twelve. That would have been fifty six. So and then rock and roll was yeah, just yes, that's kicking in. Yeah, that's one of the things that sort of stood out when I was looking up stuff about Artie. Even years ago, when I remember Kevin Sweeney would talk about him a lot, and he mentioned that when Artie was a teenager, all he would listen to was like Thelonious Monk and Chuck Berry and stuff. So that's jazz and rock and roll, and then he developed from that, and you're like. So his early stuff, yeah. like early stuff was the new kids on the block and all like, And then yeah. we found rock and roll. He yeah. found that at the start. Yeah, that's his primary school. Sort that's of his, stuff. Yeah. Like he, he jumped into the deep end straight away and then just took off. Yeah. Which is. Yeah, it's, un- it's insane. Like it's. Uh, not fair. No. <laughs> it's actually quite fucking depressing. <laughs> um, but to be able to do that. And then. Um, but then here's the other thing. So in later years, then I would have been told that Artie would have actually said that you were a better guitar player than him. Uh, absolutely not. Mm. And the I, reason, his, his reasoning was, and this is what he said to, 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 to Rita, was Jerome can read music, I can't. And that's what he sort of took at. He said that that was maybe a wee bit of an edge more than we, what he didn't have. But then, I don't know, with the ear, I mean, it's... I think... Because I've witnessed you in both circumstances without music and with music. And... Yeah, I mean, you have to admit, like, you're fucking good. Okay, I think he's probably being... Uh, Jerome, but, just admit uh, you're good, this, will you? Ah, just fucking do, stop fucking being modest. No, no modesty in this well, podcast. <laughs> have you listened to this podcast? <laughs> it's, uh, no, I, I'm not... Well, I would, I, would, I would agree, because I've played with Jerome. Yeah. But I, I, to, to be honest, um, I wouldn't have the... the you know, th- th- that's... I wouldn't have the natural ability that he has. I, I, I all right. I, I, I would definitely concede that I have some natural ability to play the whether it's, um, whether it's a genetic thing or something. Mm. You know, where an yeah. environmental yeah. thing that you're, there you know, you're exposed to. Yeah, you've we'll been exposed but to so much. I wouldn't put myself anywhere near the same. Well, that's nice, Malice. Well, well, I just let you know that that came from uh, from himself. There you are. So that was the, that was the judgment. Um, what, have you played these tunes? Have you ever tried? I have, um, I've, I've always kind of messed around with them, you know, even, even when I was very young, but they're, they're, they're not easy to play no. by any manner or means. <laughs> no. Um, as I said, the, the technique is so, so good. Um, and it, it takes that level of natural ability to be able to do that, to make the tunes dance, oh, uh, so to speak, yeah, yeah. you know, and as um, you can imagine my disgust when I get home with an electric guitar and put that on. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see your face, man. <laughs> What's he doing? How's he doing that? There's yeah. bound to be more than just him doing that. <laughs> he's got four guitarists. There with him, that's what he's doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's so. Again, you're talking. Then I mean, the the album. We'll play. Uh, we'll play another tune here at the moment. Hopefully, that we don't get um, 
give us a choice there, Jerome. Give us a shout out. We'll do a jukebox special for it here. Um, I would put on the hills above Drum Quinn with Davy Hammond singing. Okay, we'll do Davy here. So this is um, this probably became one of uh, locally anyway quite a famous song. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if you're not from Tyrone, you're listening to this. The hills above Drum Quinn. Drum Quinn's a tiny little. Uh, I shouldn't say tiny. It's a big village, in uh, big hearts in big hearts in Tyrone and. Um, this would have been Felix Kearney's homestead as such, yeah. the, the the area. So um, The Hills Above from Quinn was, was uh, a poem originally, or was it always a song? Maybe it always um, been a song, maybe? I thought it was always a song. I could well, be wrong. I'm not too sure, but we'll, we'll listen here and see. God bless the hills of Donegal, I've heard their praises sung. In days long gone beyond recall, when I was very young. Then I would pray to see a day before life's course be run When I could sing the praises of the hills above drum quinn I mean, that's, that's Davy Hammond, you say? Davy Hammond, yeah. And I mean, that's a, like, to do an a cappella song as well. <laughs> that yeah. album's quite... You know, quite mm-hmm. um, uh, there's a compliment later on in the tune, but um, Davy Hammond was somebody that... My father met around that time. Right. Um, the story, Davy Hammond had heard Artie playing, um, and maybe through word of mouth, Davy Hammond was a was a producer for the BBC. Uh-huh. Well, he was he was a freelance producer and then, you know, a, a filmmaker. Right. And um, um, a, an incredible man. I met him. Where was, was he? Where was he from? He was from. Uh, where was he from? He, he lived in Belfast for right. from the fifties, but he, I think, he was from. I'm not sure. Anyway, but um, but he very very famous famous gentleman, um, a, a lovely guy and a true like giant, intellectual giant. So that was a, a, quite a, a coup for Artie as well to have him on featuring the album. Then was it at the time? Yeah. He actually got in contact with Artie. He sent um, a, a postcard, and all was on it was his name and. Uh, Details how to get in contact with him, right. and he sent it to Artie McGlynn, guitar player Oma. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to him. And I got to him. Yeah, of course you got. To. Yeah. And that was uh, that. That was the start of a friendship, which I think Davy passed away in two thousand and eight. But that was uh, the start of a long friendship. Uh, originally from Belfast, you're right. Originally from Belfast. Yeah. yeah. Right, but so, he, uh, and and I mean, I mean that that's obviously a, a big Tyrone song. So I mean, a guy from Belfast coming down to do it, but I mean, he does it so well. He does yeah. it so, great justice. Thing. He he um, made a lot of programs um, that went out probably for the BBC, and and um, um, one of, I remember one of the programs that he that he did was about Sarah Makem, mm-hmm. who's Tommy Makem's uh-huh. mother, um, and I, I don't know what race, great greats. Aunt, I suppose, of our yes, of our colleague, of our colleague of the Swinyug, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he made us a lot of fantastic. He, he knew he knew the music, he knew the history of the music, and he would have known everything about Feely Kearney by the time that he made that. Even okay, right. So he, he was kind of like an Alan Lomax type of character. He'd go around to the you know these rural, um, you know, areas, you know, recording people, you know, that and just that absorb everything. Old, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and just the the, the way that the, the Library uh, Congress and, and the States uh-huh. yeah. would have done, you know. Um, so he, he was very knowledgeable about, about the music. But him and Artie, they, they had, a, they had a, a very, very close friendship for, as I say, up until Davy died. That's brilliant. And, I mean, uh, that we'll, we'll also, what we normally do in the podcast here, sometimes we'll do... Uh, uh, a variation or a version of it so we have a cover version so a cover of a cover because technically this is a cover of felix's song so this is a cover yeah. then of uh Artie's song um so the kieran uh kieran mcglynn so that's Artie's brother mm-hmm. who also plays along with ronan here so we're we're in full circle here um so matt kieran doesn't sorry matt kieran, does. matt kieran's son matt plays with ronan yes. um so kieran released an album of felix's works um I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, was it that long? It was, it was yeah. Was it that yeah, long? I yeah. think it was 2013. Oh, right. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, right, okay. And yeah, very, very good album. Mm-hmm. A great, great album. album. So if you get a chance to um, to get it, I, I think McCann's and Oma have McCann's versions of it, have it to purchase, but 
Um, um, I don't know where else we'll get it. We're hoping to so find. If you want a copy, send us a message, and we can get in touch with we'll, Kieran. And yeah, we'll get a copy, and uh, we'll we'll try our best. I'm working with Kieran to try and get the album online to get it up on on Spotify, and that, but we'll see. So this is actually um, already playing it for the second time. So Artie's yeah. involved in this, uh, playing guitar with Eamon Michael Holm. Yeah. And this is Kieran's version of The Hells of Home from Gwen, just for a comparison. God bless the hills of Donegal I've heard their praises sung in days long gone beyond recall When I was very young Then I would pray to see a day Before life's course be run When I could sing the praises of The hills above drum quin Classly. Yo. Very good. Pure brilliant. Um... <coughs> That uh, that album obviously is uh, a homage, obviously to Felix Kearney, but I mean, yeah. Artie had a big part in it as well, with obviously playing in it. Yeah, I'm going to go be, be controversial here in the drum, very controversial. I'm going to say mm-hmm. Kieran's version is better. Ooh, I know you have a point. I, yeah. I do like Kieran's version. Though, to be fair, but yeah, uh, I think it's. I'm uh, glad you said it first. <laughs> 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 you definitely um, have a point. It was great. The whole album was brilliant. It's absolutely yeah. now, and there was a there's a big thing too. And Rita used to talk about this too. And Eileen and uh, um, Rosalind and all yeah. used to say the same thing. All the Kearney's uh, children, as you want to call, them, that to do the song justice, you had to sing it in her own accent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Once they heard anybody Americanizing <laughs> any words in yeah. that song, they lost their life. Yeah. There was nothing you Such could do. A Tyrone thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing you could do to them women more <laughs> harm than to sing Hills Above Drum Quinn with an Irish or American accent, like a Susan McCann or Irish Brigger Heather, any of those sort of yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you had to sing it. So apparently, Kieran got the nod from them all. Because Kieran was able to do it and sing it in their own accent, and uh, as you can hear there, it's uh, fantastic. So, couldn't <laughs> agree more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And yeah. you must have heard some murderous renditions, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah, over the course of history. Yeah. There's been quite a few. Um, so yeah, Kieran did it very, very well. So that album, if you get a chance, it's uh, it's actually called Misty Hills of Home. Yeah. Um, so go and take a look, Kieran McGlynn. and Kieran didn't go down the route of Artie with the fancy way. Kieran, if we tell that story away, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Was it just Artie's decision? Just more of a, a, a look better, maybe? Or I think um, I need to check this out. But I think he told me once that the doctor had spelt the name wrong on the birth certificate, right? Uh, or that that it was spelt wrong. Um, I don't know if that's true, but. <laughs> it's a good story. So a good way of stopping anybody so asking. There you go. It's, it's that's definitely it. way in my birth certificate. Anyway. <laughs> so you you are spelled with a Y, yeah. but the rest of the family are with an A. So yeah. if you're looking for Kieran McGlynn, it's Kieran McGlynn with an A. Um, but yeah, so that album. But back to back to uh, McGlynn's fancy. I mean, I, it never. It wasn't really something that was going to be obviously pop charts. You know, yeah, it wasn't going to be that sort of level. But I mean, in regards to the traditional charts, I mean, it must have. Must have hung about the charts for quite a while. Oh, it did. It was a big album. It got a lot of airplay at the time, and he, he was um, he was called on to do a lot of interviews. I remember he he got um, he did an interview for the Radio Times, right? I don't know how significant that is, but he, he you know he he did uh, it was it was a big enough news at the time. Yeah. You know? And he was heading on tour and all of it. I mean, yeah. after that, I mean, he was to say Van Morrison, but whoever else was going, um, it wasn't those no small venues. He was no. hitting big, big yeah, and playing live. Um, and, th- I mean, for yourselves then, obviously, you know, being the, the children of a travelling musician, I mean, it must have been tough too in that sense because yeah. you probably didn't see him too often. Definitely. <laughs> At that time, I mean, for probably, you know, 20 years after that, I mean, he was constantly on the road because yeah. everybody wanted him. Everyone the band. Him, yeah. I think it, it really it really started... Because at, at that time, with the money recorded the album, he was working his way out of the show bands, uh-huh. and um, he seen that that was definitely the way to go. And he and he, he he could see that that was the way out. But shortly after, it was picked up on by Tommy Makem. Um, Tommy had heard it when he was home from America, and he got offered the job with Makem and Clancy, and that was that was it. That was the 
the watershed. And that was big shows, like yeah, they were playing opera houses and stuff. Yeah, they yeah. were playing big, big yeah. venues, like. And I mean, uh, that that in itself is is a skill to spot what was happening. Absolutely. To feel the, the shift from the show bands and to be able to kind of like a sink or swim sort of thing. Yeah, going, yeah. To be able to adapt and go. But some people could have went easily went down the sort of the cheesy sort of two-piece. Yeah. But you know what I mean? So it takes a lot of balls to go and do what he did with that album. You know, yeah. to go... Um, and I don't know, expensive would have been at the time. I mean, studio time was expensive no matter Absolutely. what generation it was in. I think... Um, uh, comparatively speaking, I mean, studio time would have been a lot more expensive back then. I mean, yeah. you needed a backer, like, to get into the yeah. studio yeah, for a absolutely. week. Yeah, like absolutely. Anybody can make a track now. Yeah, But absolutely. then it was very specialist. It wasn't, it wasn't possible back then. So, um, yeah, you need you needed backing. Yeah, And to get it to sound like that, you needed the professional yeah. studio. I mean, a special, special word has to go to the, the producer, George, uh, engineer, George Doherty. I mean, he did a brilliant job. There's Real, the guitar sounds in that album are brilliant. Oh, like, it's unbelievable! Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever way, I think he, he, he double tracked a lot and, and kind of got a kind of very warm kind of chorusy sound to it. Yeah, yeah. You know the the, the guitar sounds are brilliant. And uh, it's, it's, I've I haven't heard an album, a guitar based album, uh, sound as good since. To be honest with you, I think it's it's, it's amazing for to be nineteen seventy nine. Mm-hmm. It sort of does give you that argument of you know, some purists would talk about the the fight between digital and analog. Yeah. There's something there, Absolutely, you, yeah. you know. There's definitely something, and then as I say, uh, you've been very uh, <laughs> nice to us today by bringing a vinyl with you as well of it. Yeah, I haven't actually heard it on vinyl. Would you believe I've never only ever had it in CD, so I never ever heard it. But I imagine then that would sound fucking fantastic you know, on a vinyl. It does, yeah. You know, I, I bought this actually in Galway. It's not uh, because what I used to do much to myself and Nolig's annoyance. And, as he used to give everything away. Somebody <laughs> said, "Oh God, I like the album. Great album, Marty." And he'd say, "Here, take a copy with you." Until we would, would there would be no you. You couldn't find one for one. love or money, you know? <laughs> and no money was the matter. <laughs> Just yeah, giving yeah. them all away. Yes, um, yeah, I mean that's uh, that, and I mean it's probably uh, maybe most Irish musicians' problems. <laughs> maybe at the time was they didn't. Yeah. Is it is it something they didn't value themselves? Maybe as a, as a sector of, of music because they didn't push it as much, or just wasn't the market there, or. No, I think he he kind of thought that of the person that he was talking to, if he if he enjoyed their company or if he liked them, you know, we'd simple as that. He just share the share the creativity in that yeah. sense, yeah, yeah. When that's and that, them days are definitely gone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. You're getting nobody for free, not no. even any yeah. of us three. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's free. Mullen doesn't even get out of bed for, <laughs> for less than four hundred quid. <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that because right. I'm going to get. So much shit for saying that. All right, now, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, when we when we sort of then we talked about already um, playing, obviously the most famous maybe one would be Van Morrison, but to be the lead guitar for Van Morrison is quite a coup. Like it was quite a big deal. Yeah. Uh, do you remember much about it at the time? Did he did he feel like it was a big deal, or did he just take it as another job? He he never. Um he never got too excited about anything. To be honest, he, <laughs> that's, he, that's he, fair enough. Yeah, he, that's he, the guy I remember. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He, I, I don't remember. Like he definitely wouldn't have thought. Like, right, I got a gig with Van Morrison. This is it. Like, oh he, yeah, he, he, just wouldn't, he, he wouldn't have had that attitude at all. Though. I think he probably the way that I'd probably best explain it is that if you're if you're in a gig, you're there because you deserve to be there. You're there on merit. Right. Yeah. And you don't. And it, it's not taking the emotion or anything out of it it's just you're there to do a job you're there to do the job that you do Absolutely. and he and i suppose then you don't really need to have any other razzmatazz around it when you've got the skill to back it up yeah that's it that's it and everybody that you play with is the same yeah you know so um we have a we'll, we'll play a wee clip here because one of the most probably the most famous um song of van morrison's was have i told you lately but so I already played on this album. So this is uh, Avalon Sunset. Was it nineteen eighty nine? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. So this is uh, this is well, we know this one. And, what, and there's something I will say about this because it's a very piano based song, but Artie still fills in mm-hmm. melody lines that we all know through the song. Yeah, absolutely. By, by two or three notes. I think probably. In a wee bit controversial, the the it was recorded the, the the album, the basic album was recorded live in the yeah. live room, um, and the strings were put on a lot later. Right. Fake did the strings, 
and but if you listen to the strings, the strings copy everything that the the, the guitar is doing. They, yeah. they call all those figures and of what the piano player is doing. Yeah, they're forming the same shape as what he's. Yeah, but they because um, unfortunately he never got uh, any arrangement royalties for that, which he should. But he should have got. They yeah. should have got. Yeah, they're following him now for now. So it kind of, it's, it's, it's almost like blues, isn't it? It's like yeah. a call and response. Yeah, it so is, yeah. as soon as Van Morrison finishes the line, Artie's in there with just, all he needs is three, four notes, and it's yeah. just, it's, yeah. yeah. So that's fucking depressing. So uh, <laughs> just to hear that skill um, of just, because that, that, it's weird to hear a song that you know so well, and then yeah. to realize... That's a man from Edenville. Uh-huh. <laughs> Edenville Park, by the way, if you're listening, that's, that's where uh, Artie's uh, final home was in, uh, on the dairy road. So that's yeah. uh, where I, I... I didn't grow up in Edenville. That was the posh place. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we walked past Edenville. We you weren't not, allowed. You were we on the other side of the road. We did not throw stones at the place. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so it was quite surreal to have some as, as big and international as that. Because, I mean, well, no, that's global. That song yeah. was a global hit. And so to hear that guitar playing through yeah, and I'm still Rod, playing a radio station throughout the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rod Stewart co- recorded it a year after, and he used the same arrangement. Right, and he Rod had a huge hit with it as well. Yeah, that's right. I remember mm-hmm. Rod Stewart first. Probably a year after that was it. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and as you say, arrangement royalties. There's another good example of just getting on and doing something. Yeah, you know, without actually like kind of like Felix Hearney with the songs, like I'm just going to write them. I'm just going to put them out there. Yeah. Um, and did you ever like? Was there a lot of composition work with with your dad's later years i mean we know obviously with his album but he would have done bits and pieces with loads of like even you think kieran's album yeah but was there anything he, he really wanted to do did you think was there anything that he, he an album he wanted to get out that he didn't get out or he he definitely wanted to do um uh, an album of jazz tunes and he ended up doing that and he called it butera after the after the home mm-hmm. townland and it, it's, it was released, it was only a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was maybe five years ago. And it's a cracking album as mm-hmm. well, yeah. But he, he, he I mean, he, he contributed a lot. I mean, he put a lot of himself into a lot of albums that he recorded. And he recorded, like, he recorded dozens, hundreds yeah. of albums. Just never stopped. And um, um, he, 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 he would, especially when he was producing, he'd, he'd put a lot of himself into those. I think one of the... Probably worth uh, saying that um, probably one of the mistakes I suppose that he made was that the tune music for a found harmonium, uh-huh. which was originally recorded and written by the the Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Right. Um, he recorded that with Patrick Street, and he really should have recorded that on his own album right. with Nolik. Right. Um, that was. We cannot all. <laughs> it was a regret, was it? Was, that, that, was he reminded of that? Because his, yeah, his he, version, he didn't. His yeah. version is the version that everybody <laughs> refer. It's the one that's used yeah. in films and TV shows, and it's the one. Yeah, yeah. The the penguin cafe. It's not used. Yeah. People never even reference that. Absolutely. Everybody thinks it's an Artie McGlynn song. Yeah. Because it's his version. Yeah. The Napoleon Dynamite. It's using it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's all over the place. Like, but it's and his then, version. And then what happens there? Like, I mean, I don't know anything about royalties, obviously, because I've never created anything apart from Handlins. Um, what, what uh, I mean, because we know obviously there's the appearance royalty, then you've got the songwriting royalties, and then you, obviously you're talking arrangement royalties. But I mean, uh, hopefully he, he did all right with that song going out. If that's his version being played, or no, I don't, I don't no, think, think no, he do. No, no, I think the other guys made out like bandits, oh, bastards, and he did an extraordinary version of it. It's superior to all the other versions, and this one guy sitting at home going. Yeah. <laughs> it's like our Alan Partridge episode. Why is it so successful? <laughs> yeah. And we're doing nothing to help it. No apparent reason. It's <laughs> yeah. just it's flying through the roof. Yeah. So that's yeah. yeah I don't. Th- I think don't think the royalty. I don't think he got much uh, uh, except for the the notoriety of his version was the yeah, version. Yeah. And I mean, in, in in later years, then I he, he would have obviously played. We were very blessed here in the town because in Oma, then you would have found him uh, playing on on maybe multiple nights in different venues. Yep. I walked in one night and he was with one of our previous guests, Mark McCausland. Yeah, that happened a lot. And uh, he was on the bass. Yeah, yeah. And I was just, yeah. holy fuck, I'm getting to see Artie McGlynn on the bass. I mm-hmm. just sat. I don't even think I took a pint. I just I was mesmerized watching it. Because it, it was something, in, was that just something just because he could? or you know? He he loved playing bass, actually. Um, right. he'd, he'd have played bass um, on a couple of 
traditional tunes. I remember definitely uh, playing on one of Cal Hayden's tunes in Cal's first album. Right. He played bass on it as well as guitar. Um, so he always, he always liked the bass so when he got the opportunity to... And then you don't have to... Not to denigrate the bass too much, but... <laughs> Um, you don't have to. It's an easier job. You're yeah. trying to say <laughs> it's, it's 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 easier in playing tunes on the on the, the, uh, the guitar yeah. anyway. Put it that way. Uh, I did speak to him uh, in in uh, a few years ago. I I managed. I don't know how. I, well, I do know how. But I got a bass that is a, a apparently it's an antique, real expensive bass, um, and it's a Fender 1960 something whatever it was like. Yeah, it's a real wow. Expensive one. So I I was, was talking to him about it and and mentioned different things. Uh, no, I talked to him at, at, at Anne's house, so his sister's house, Anne. I was there and I was talking about his bass. He said, all right, okay. I said, I'm going to try and get a, a price on it. And I got a price, and the price was something, I think they said fifteen to $1,600. This was an American company said that. And I was telling him, he goes, oh, no. He says, a lock hundred pound would do you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thrifty as. As, as. as you'll take a lock of hundred pound for it. A lock of hundred pound would do you, you know. <laughs> and I said, no, you're all right. All right. But he knew obviously what it was. That's it was channel. Yeah. But yeah, it would have been interesting. That short neck one too. So it would have been fantastic to see him. But obviously we never get a chance to. But um, he didn't up the price or the offer. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, no, that's right. no, he generally didn't. No. <laughs> just, just in life. And, yeah. um, but I mean, so you're, you're, the, the legacy then, obviously, you're, yourself, obviously, being um, a musician um, you, you play everywhere as well <laughs> you're, you're on the go um, you've had to suffer me on stage as well in our commitments uh, tribute um, you've also had us looking forward to the next one already already I will tell you would, I'll do it tomorrow <laughs> if we could just get out out of lockdown um, you've also had uh, filled in for uh, Matt with Ronan here as well so yeah we've all times. we've all shared the stage in some form or another mm-hmm. um, me and Ronan will not talk about our uh Exploits, exploits on the stage, because um, that never ends so good. And <laughs> it'll only drag this, the mood of this podcast. <laughs> it usually incriminates somebody <laughs> along the line. Um, so, I mean, the thing with the um, the re-release, do you think then is something there was a sort of the renaissance that's happened now with vinyl? I mean, is there is there a call or has it been called for some sort of re-release of it? Well, Emerald actually sold their catalog. Um, George Doherty, who owned it at that. Uh, he sold up about, I think, last year. Right. I can't remember the name of the company in England that bought it. Um, we went looking to see if they would be interested in selling uh-huh. um, the the masters, and they're not. Um, right. But we, we'll, 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 we'll look at it in the future to see if we can get at least the publishing on it, you Keep know, to get, to get on, it, yeah. you know, yeah. and maybe do a, a, a rerun vinyl mm-hmm. or And whatever, do you think you maybe know? is the fact that they're, they're not willing to sell, do you think they have some sort of plans for a re-release of it maybe or is it just they don't want to sell it uh, they've I think they just they're not in the business of selling their they just buy lumps cap, lump yeah. thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. financial people not yeah. musicians yeah yeah it's oh, a job's yeah. lot because once they start selling one they gotta Break it up, respond yeah. to everybody else to ask for you know yeah, ownership yeah. of masters or well fingers crossed that uh, yeah that'd be interesting yeah it'd be good to see you, actually, yeah um so I mean Purchasing the album now, I mean, it is on Spotify, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and it's on the uh, Apple Music and things like that. But um, I think Boneyard may be the only place you might get. I don't think you get a copy even. Would you get yeah. a copy of it now? Um, it's on vinyl. I mean, that's very very hard it's, to get. It's not. It's not easy to get. No. Um, and the other album material is out as well. It's um, it's available. I think you can buy that online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both um, are in the Boneyard. Though. They're both in the Boneyard. Yep. So if you get a chance and you're in Oma, um, call in to the Boneyard. Or I think Boneyard will do um, online. They're, yeah, yeah. They're doing so their sound online tomorrow. If you take a look out for Boneyard Records, Oma, uh, you'll be able to send uh, the guys a message and they'll, they'll hopefully be able to hook you up. I think actually it got to the point. I, I did get a copy eventually, only like a year or two ago, mm-hmm. because... Mark McCausland, I asked him to could he get me a copy, and I think he went. I think the guy Johnny owns with mm-hmm. him. I think he had a couple of copies at home. That was the only see, reason I got see it. See when you said about Artie just handing out stuff. That's that McCausland boy is the exact same. <laughs> yes. I was recently with him, and somebody says, "Oh, I need to get buy you a copy of the, one of the Lost Boys albums." He goes, "No, I'll just order it." And you're like, "Mark, <laughs> stop Artie McGlynn it. Just." just just take a tenner off him and we're you know, just <laughs> sharing the you, you worked yeah. for this like I mean that's it but there is something about that that's something I know, like, you know them boys like so we don't charge for this you know what I mean there's just it's a, the love of doing it running it's the love of looking at <laughs> my face every week <laughs> look at where that shit yeah. 
As long as the birds aren't singing around us and the rain's not pissing yeah. down on tin roof, this is a lot better. Do you want to hear my Artie McGlynn story? Go. We were playing. We weren't playing. We were at a gig in the top of the town, mm-hmm. upstairs, and my cousin, uh, Pam Devlin, came running upstairs and goes, here, are you drunk? And I went, yes. <laughs> she said, can you play drums? I was like, um, not even sober, but <laughs> let's go ahead. And she went, you need to go downstairs because Tony Phillips is playing and he wants to come up and cover with the band that's upstairs. Uh-huh. And I went, all right. Who, who, who's playing? She was like, it's just sitting for Tony Phillips. It'll be two songs, two songs. And I went, all right, okay. No downstairs, it was already. And I was going, oh shit, and I'm drunk. So I get behind, we play like three or four songs and it was mighty crack. And Tony came in. Freak out when I you did, of course, but I was there. totally drunk, so it was, I didn't have time to, to think. <laughs> and then Tony was standing at the other side of the bar downstairs, and he gave me the thumbs up, and I went, right, that's me. Swapped over. Artie goes, fair break up. And then I walked on. About six months later, <laughs> walked in McCann's, chatting away to Artie, and I goes, I was a good wee night at the top of the hand. And he goes, what night? And I was like, the night I played drumsy for before. And he goes, that was you. <laughs> So my big, like I was ringing my man, everything. My, I just played Rory McGlynn and she was shut up. I don't want to tell your father. And then he didn't remember. <laughs> and then I reminded him about it at Matt's wedding as well. And he was like, I, I, it was a good night, you know, you don't remember that. You're lying to me. <laughs> but it was just such. The heartbroken, heartbroken moment. Yeah, but I still can say I played Rory McGlynn. Absolutely. That's so, a, yeah. I don't care if remember that. Yeah, so I mean, listen, if you get a chance, go and, and listen to the album. Um, even better if you could go and purchase it. Yeah. Um, uh, and we are very, very grateful. Jerome, thanks for coming in. It's been, uh, thanks very much. Sir. This is good. It's, Thank uh, you. it's fascinating to get that such a, a obviously a personal insight to. Um, Something like we couldn't get Adam Sandler here last week for Happy Gilmore, you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or his son, you know. So um, uh, the fact we have that, we're we're genuinely honoured. So thank you very much, and uh, yeah, very listen up. But it's also, it, I just want to say as well, isn't it so strange that an Oma? And we've talked about this before. I think me and mm. you talked about it as well. Oma has more amazing musicians than any other town on the, in this country. It's it's very like you could find yeah. the best at this in this town right now. Yeah. Of every different type of instrument. Yeah. And there's exactly. hundreds of us. Yeah. Artie always said that St. Eugene's band was very, very important in this time. Yeah. There was a, so many music, musicians came out of that band. Mm-hmm. Back in the day when, you know, you, you know, you could get horn players into the, the bands, you know, in the 60s and all that. And they could, because they could all read. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So um, he, he said St. Eugene's band was a huge part of of. of why this, there's so many musicians yeah. here. And, and that, I, I truly think it's down to generations of people uh, of our father's age yeah. seeing Artie doing what he did and going, I get him, get him a drum kick, get him a bass, uh, get him yeah, a, yeah. and going, just let them do it because do it. Yeah. Well, I knew Artie and he was able to do it. Yeah. So just do it. Well, I said it must have, it must have for a small town like ourselves. And again, you're talking back to the 60s and 70s. It obviously must have been like an inspiration to people oh, to go, oh my God, just these guys, you know. But not only was it a phenomenal yeah. album and it went on to, to do so many good things with so many amazing music, the album itself is like a seismic shift in traditional music. Yeah. Like it changed everything. Well, you could, you could, yeah. you could definitely, yep. uh, it would be in the top five of most traditional musicians. Yeah. Um, top five albums, like, mm-hmm. it, like yeah. Um, and, I mean, there, there is that thing, and Oma, as you say, was almost a strange place in that it's full of talent, but they can't come together. No. Whatever yeah. it is, it's it's a weird... And Rita used to say that Felix Kearney used to have a saying about Oma. And because back in the day that uh, Gaelic sports weren't really allowed in that sense, you know, back you're talking yeah. the 30s and the 40s, and so the only way sort of nationalists or Catholics would represent themselves would be through a Cayley band. Mm-hmm. And so the phrase Felix Kearney used to always say to read all the time, Topical Oma, hey, they couldn't even get a Cayley band together. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently Oma couldn't get yeah. the Cayley Every other outland area, everywhere had a Cayley band, but Oma didn't have one. Yeah. And I was like, well, that actually makes sense. We can't even get one GA team. We have yeah. two. <laughs> we yeah. can't come together to do <laughs> things. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, so how do we do that? How do we combine all that talent? So we, some massive concert sometime, Jerome, maybe? Yeah. Post lockers. Get the whole lot in and everybody get, yeah, after lockdown, does everybody get wrote off? I think that's the plan anyway, to be yeah, honest with you. And, yeah. and let's hear if there's instruments there, we'll let's, yeah. let's hear three, 300 versions of the Hills Above Drum Corps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ronnie's drum oh, version of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Jerome, as I said uh, uh, already, thank you very much. And uh, yeah. Welcome, Colin. Cheers.
Sí. 